0: Welcome to Dangerous Christianity with Dr. Christopher Rodkey, where we explore new ways of being Christian that go against the grain, stands up against the church when it's evil, speaks truth to power, and reclaims the Bible as a radical message of hope, liberation, and justice. Dr. Rodkey is pastor of St. Paul's United Church of Christ in Dallastown, Pennsylvania, and leads the sacred profane community, a post-faith gathering for those seeking to nurture illiterate and misfit geeky, sometimes sneaky, as well as a queer-affirming and beer-affirming spirituality. All information mentioned throughout the program is listed in the show notes. And now, please welcome Dr. Christopher Rodkey.
1: Thanks for joining me for Dangerous Christianity, which is my sermon podcast from St. Paul's United Church of Christ in Dallastown, Pennsylvania. This is Pastor Chris Rodke. If you'd like to give a donation to the church, you can uh, find the instructions in the show notes for the podcast, or you can email a tax-deductible donation to St. Paul's United Church of Christ, which is an open and affirming ministry, at 205 West Main Street, Dallastown, Pennsylvania, 17313. Feel free to contact me directly if you have prayer requests or concerns or thoughts to share. Thanks and have a great day. Our scripture readings are taken from the prophet Ezekiel and the Gospel of Luke. First reading is Ezekiel 17, verses 22 through 24. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of a cedar. I will set it out. I will break off a tender one from the topmost of its young twigs. I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel, I will plant it in order that I, it may produce boughs and bear fruit and become a noble cedar. Under it, every kind of bird will live in the shade of its branches will nest winged creatures of every kind. All the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. Bring low the high tree I make high the low tree I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish I the Lord have spoken, I will accomplish it. The second reading is taken from Luke 13 verses 18 through 21. He, Jesus, said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what should I compare it? It is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden. It grew and became a tree. And the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again, he said, to what should I compare the kingdom of God? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, amen. The parables of the mustard seed and the yeast are fairly well known, they're very short. The way they're told in other gospels are a little bit better known than the way it's told in Luke, but Luke is short and to the point. Now, if you remember from last week, Right before this, the synagogue leader is indignant and angry that Jesus is healing a bent-over woman on the Sabbath and said it was an affront to the whole hierarchy of systems of beliefs the synagogue leader was representing and appealing. Jesus wasn't arguing against the ideas of religious beliefs of the leader, but his drive to protect the integrity of a system or structure of beliefs rather than helping someone who is suffering right in front of them. And this is enormously, this is an enormously important teaching throughout the gospel. The things that prevent you from serving those in need need to be removed. Even if it's your possessions, your pride, your family, and especially your religious beliefs. If you know the story of the Good Samaritan, it's a similar idea, it's a similar story. The people who pass by the half dead man on the side of the road don't stop because of their commitments to their faith heritage. Uh, don't oblige them to stop. So following Jesus' teaching to the synagogue leader, where Jesus presents himself as someone who angers, someone who needs to be angered, because the teaching of Jesus is about the world we live in right now, the suffering of people right now, and the situation that we're living in right now. The parable of the mustard seed here is simple. The kingdom of God is like a tiny mustard seed that grows into a big enough tree for the birds. And the parable of the yeast is also simple. The kingdom of God is like tiny bits of yeast, which the small detail, which is the small detail that is necessary to make leavened bread. So first some context about these ideas here that would have been known in the first century. Mustard is not a tree. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. Mustard isn't a tree, it's more of a weed. Its primary use known to people speaking Greek at this time was for food or for medicinal purposes. And very specifically, it was used for erectile dysfunction. You can read whatever you want into that. But more importantly, the main point is that it's a tree, not it's not a tree, it's a weed. And regarding yeast, we get the analogy here that Uh, I think we get the analogy here with the yeast, we understand what that's about. One thing that our modern minds often take for granted is that the discovery of the ability to make bread was one of the most important discoveries of the far ancient world. One misconception that Christians often have about the Bible is that Jews did not and continue to not use yeast. In fact, it's quite the opposite, Jews at the time did use yeast, but the concept of yeast is helpful for us to make sense of what Jesus is talking about. So historically speaking, we know that the use of yeast goes back thousands and thousands of years, probably originating in ancient Egypt. In fact, it's possible that the use of yeast was very popular in an early time in Egypt, but but was even lost during periods of war. And they had to rediscover it over time. So it may have been discovered more than once after Uh, the recipe for bread and the magic substance that made leaven bread was lost. It's possible that the era of Moses in Egypt, when Ramses II was the Pharaoh, was the time of rediscovery of how to use yeast after it had been lost. And that's consistent with what we know about this time. There was a huge shift during this time in, in Egypt toward farming and new technology, where sickles were invented, for example. So why is this all important? Well, remember that for the Jewish holiday of Passover, it's set in the Bible that, no bread with, uh, that bread with no yeast would be used to celebrate the holiday. And still today, no leave-in breads are used as part of the ritual of Passover. Ancient Jewish commentary says that the reason for this is that the ancient Jews were accustomed to breads that did not use yeast in the, before the time of Moses. But it's likely the Israelites brought back the concept and science of yeast when they returned to the Holy Land after crossing through the, the Red Sea, where leavened bread was very typical to find in the area except for religious uses when they returned. There's a lot of rich stuff going on between these two passages of scripture. Bread is an essential part of the Jesus story. We don't know whether the bread was leavened or unleavened in the stories of the feeding of the 5,000, for example. Though part of what is assumed in the story is that somehow unleavened bread became tremendously abundant, which led to the bread multiplying in such large number as to feed an enormous crowd. The tradition is also that when Jesus says to his disciples, take this bread and eat it for for it is my body at the first Lord's supper, it was probably unleavened bread because the Bible tells us it was a Passover meal. Does this mean that the analogy is that Jesus is the yeast? Well, that's the way this is often understood and it's not a bad way of reading this. But if Jesus is the yeast, why did he use unleavened bread to give to his disciples? Other than the fact it was Passover, but he was breaking all sorts of other traditions when he was celebrating this meal as well. Well, I think that's because we're the yeast. We're the agent of change and expansion. Jesus bread given to us in the age of the Holy Spirit to call us into being the change and expanding the body of Christ into something growing and expansive. The point being from something as small as yeast, much will grow. Knowing that you just don't use one yeast grain when you're using it, you use several to make bread, but they're tiny little bits. The implication then is that the power of the Holy Spirit is enacted positively when we are conjoined to the body of Christ, we are then the agents of change in the world. The story of the mustard seed is that the power of God can expand mustard mustard weeds into unimaginably large trees, the power of God leading into the kingdom of God is one of expansive abundance. Now, mustard is sometimes understood by those in agriculture as a nuisance weed. Uh, It expands quicker than you might want if you're not careful. It's also very important in organic farming. You can trim the mustard seed uh, weeds down, but they're going to keep growing upward, unnaturally so, Jesus says, even to the point that birds will inhabit the mustard tree. But you'll notice that Jesus doesn't say the kingdom of God is just the mustard seed. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in a garden. It's not just the mustard seed, it's the mustard seed with the person as the agent of change. These short parables are pointing pointing out to us that what we are called to do, that is the kingdom of God is simple. What is more simple than mustard or bread? What we are called to do takes work. The man spreading the seeds and the woman making the bread put the effort into what they are doing. What we are called to do is similarly not extraordinary outside of our normal lives. Some people are called to extraordinary acts of servants but the mundane and ordinary where most of us live most of the time as in our story, such as a garden or in the kitchen, is the setting where the kingdom of god is built when we act in faithfulness we are the yeast that brings about abundance with the power of the holy spirit we intermingle with elements available to us to grow and that growth is extraordinary it's a mustard weed that turns into a tree it's the unleavened bread expanding and providing food for a enormously large number of people. A final detail to mention here is also the quantity of flour Jesus is offering to us as an analogy. The Bible says that Jesus uses the word a measure of Greek. The word here, the word here is in Greek is sata. Uh, a sata would be about a bushel, about 1.25 bushels. So if we think about three measures of of flour, three measures of flour, we're talking about 40 liquid gallons of flour or 140 liquid quarts. So the amount of flour would be compared to maybe a large water heater, for example. That's how much flour Jesus is talking about here. So that flour would make a lot of bread. I hope you're seeing how these threads of these symbols and analogies are coinciding together. The focus of the short parable is on the overwhelming amount of of flour that is provided to the woman who herself provides the yeast to make more bread. So a lot of flour with some yeast makes a lot of bread. The point of the story is that if we are the yeast, the only outcome could be abundance and that we are given the things that we need to grow in abundance. One of the most important teachings of evangelical Christianity in the United States is the life of abundance in Christ. And those of us in the mainline churches are always a little skeptical of this idea because we know that this leads to the concept of the gospel of wealth or situations where people are led to believe that their financial struggles are, are punishments set upon them by God. We ought to be uncomfortable with these beliefs because they are contrary to just about everything most of us understand about Christianity. Yet the idea of abundance is one of the most popular core beliefs about Christianity in our country today. So while we should be suspicious about this, we shouldn't shouldn't walk around the teaching that Jesus is offering us here because it makes us uncomfortable because of some of the extremes that people take it to. So if we understand abundance as having enough for everyone, Jesus is calling us all into a life of abundance. The mustard seed grows unnaturally. The little bit of yeast used with flour, a whole lot of flour makes an enormous amount of bread. The kingdom of God in these parables of Jesus is understood as abundance. The woman couldn't possibly eat that much bread on her own. The gardener probably couldn't use all of the mustard seed that would be yielded by a mustard tree. The point is it's abundance. It's having enough and more, not only for ourselves but for others to share. This economy in the forthcoming kingdom of God of which Jesus speaks is the reverse of what we understand as economy now. Abundance is used for the good and the feeding of many. Abundance brings about justice, meaning the poor are no longer the poor. The rich are no longer obscenely rich because there's enough. There may be wanting for more and it may be that some could have more if they didn't have to share it, but the kingdom of God is abundance that leads to a collective sense of having enough and societal abundance. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like the gardener with the seed or like the baker with the yeast. This is what Jesus is calling us to become. And and if we believe we're already there, there's always more to grow. Jesus is inviting us into a revolutionary idea that we can all have enough, but we need to grow beyond what we already are. Jesus calls us to go even further. The kingdom of God is always in front of us, but we are the angels, we are the agents of change which bring about that reality. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do extraordinary things with extraordinary tasks. The Holy Spirit leads us to use our ordinary and simple commitment to an economics of enough to lead as extraordinary leaders of others. God gives us the materials, whether they're seeds or flower or whatever it is we're blessed to have to be part of the most extraordinary event in history imaginable, to do what no one has ever done before, which is to reverse the downward spiral of greed and wealth to a world where having enough is understood as an expression of justice. And if we don't have, if we don't think we can do it alone or it's, too high a demand, have faith because we are called together for this purpose, to discern what it means to act radically forward with the Holy Spirit, to be like the woman with the yeast or the man with the seeds, the faithful servants whose hope and intention is to make the ordinary extraordinary, to be the agent of change for the world. Jesus' call of abundance to us has a purpose which is to reverse the course of history. The gift of abundance is a blessing which some of us have and some of us don't or we all have it very differently from each other. So this week, take some time to reflect on what your abundance is and what the purpose of that abundance is. This is different for you than for others. Uncover or fully recognize newly what abundance you have been given celebrate your abundance by discerning how to share it with others and finally live into your purpose which is to use your abundance to build the kingdom of god in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit so be it
0: thank you for listening to dangerous christianity more information about how to get involved in the movement, how to contact Dr. Christopher Rodkey, or where to find information regarding his preaching itinerary, publications, or how to make a contribution to his ministry, please refer to the listed show notes. Dr. Rodkey again would like to thank all of his listeners for continuously supporting and tuning into his work and message. Thank you.